Welcome to Episode Party. I'm Freddie Harrison. I'm Jack Tudor. This is a special edition of Episode Party. Um, it's a kind of twofold reason behind that. The first reason for having a special edition of Episode Party is that I finished S-Town the other day. And if you listen back to our last episode, which was with Jess Ellison, uh, you'll know that we discussed S-Town, but in like very broad terms, because I hadn't finished it. And we also decided that in general, we thought it'd be spoiler free and we thought that would be a good idea. But we thought we'd do like a special now because we wanted to kind of chat about S-Town and how we thought it panned out. Um, Because it is only seven episodes long. Is that right, Jack? Seven episodes yeah. Um, so we, w- we wanted to talk about it and we wanted to give our thoughts and feelings on it. So uh, that, that comes obviously with a spoiler warning, which is that if you haven't listened to S-Town in full yet and you don't want to know how it ends and you don't want to know what happens, uh, maybe give this episode a miss until you've listened and then you can come back again and get our thoughts and thoughts and opinions on it. We'll just we'll just dive right in. Jack, in a, in a sentence, can you sum up how you were left feeling? when S-Town finished? Um, no. And do you know what? That's kind of why I liked it, because... Right. Do you know what? I think the initial feeling that I felt was actually dissatisfaction, because mm. uh, I was expecting some beautifully wrapped gift of a look here's here's all your loose ends tied up here's everything that you wanted to know about the various aspects of what's happened and because there is a lot of open ends by the time you reach that final bit there's so much you want to know about you you come out with answers with actually only a fraction of those things Mm -hmm. Uh, and Mm -hmm. i was like you know in a way i was like okay what gives and they and they give it a, a conclusion and they give the sense that there is a conclusion in terms of, you know, it's a, there is a sort of like um, a monumental and very verbose um, latter portion of it where they sort of summarise the journey that they've been on and stuff. But you don't feel like you've got what you came for until I reflected on it. And I was like, do you know what? In the spirit of the podcast, maybe what I thought I was looking for isn't actually what I got from it. And I think as soon as I gave it about a day to sink in, I was like, ah, actually, there's so much more going on here than just coming out with the conclusion to the story. I just feel like it's... Sure. Um, um, you get acquainted with S-Town and you, and you get taken on the journey of S-Town. And then, I don't know, you're just left with so much to, to unpack and to deal with. I mean, the fact that we're doing this episode now, I think, uh, is enough to say, well, you know, even though I felt that initial sat- dissatisfaction, I've come out with so much that, I, uh, you know, I think about it and that I want to engage with. So, yeah. yeah. So when did you finish it, Fred? Um, oh, it was last week sometime, and it, it started off as a thing where I had really, really kind of, like, been very slow about it, and then once you had the revelation um, that, we can say this now, uh, once you had the rev- rev- revelation that um, John B. McLemore died, um, I kind of sped up my listening quite yeah. exponentially, um, and I was kind of like trying to balance it out with a bunch of other podcasts that I hadn't listened to in a while that had like unplayed episodes that I really wanted to get around to listening to. But I kept coming back to kind of like moving all of S Town up to the front of the queue because I really wanted to find out how it went. And it, so, just in a nutshell, I guess we should probably explain 
kind of our interpretation of it, at least mine, and then you can correct me off in some blanks, probably, Jack. Totally. But I, I guess, so So. So. basically, towards the end of the second episode, at the very beginning of the third episode, um, Brian Reed finds out that John B. McLemore's died, and John B. was the character that started S-Town. He was the one that got in touch with Brian Reed and asked him to come and investigate a murder, which turned out not to be a murder. Um, and when they find out that that murder isn't a murder, um, Brian Reed does make a kind of hint then to the fact that someone else will die and he'll be thinking about that. So yeah, you get the start of this episode where you find out that um, John B. McLemore's died and then Brian Reed kind of goes on this on this kind of quest, I guess, to try and understand the circumstances around his death. I mean, it's it's revealed quite quickly that he committed suicide um, and we, we end up getting a lot of detail about that because Brian Reed speaks to the town clerk is that right did you reckon it's the town clerk jack yes was the town cl- yes it was the town clerk who was actually on the phone to john b mclemore when he committed suicide he he swallowed cyanide and that in itself is like just unbelievable um and it's just an un- unbelievable story to to know um but obviously then it kind of gets a bit more confusing because then some of John B. McLemore's family, distant family, cousins, uh, turn up around the time of the funeral for John B. And John B. hasn't really mentioned them and they kind of start taking over his affairs in a way that everyone who knew John B., including Brian Reed, seems to find incongruous and seems to find disturbing in a way that perhaps they know something about Chombi's fortune, perhaps, and they're trying to find it before anyone else does, even though it was quite clear that Jombi didn't really want anyone else involved with, with his apparent fortune. Um, it becomes clear that also he didn't write a will, so that makes the whole thing more confusing. So obviously then family does take precedent, I guess. Um, but it seems wrong. And so Brian Reed kind of goes on this investigation to kind of try and clear up who this family are, why they're doing it, what happened to all of Jombi's money, because he, he alluded many times to the fact he had a lot of gold. I mean, I have this theory that that I think the more Brian Reed got into this and the more he met more people, the further the narrative that he originally had in his head about John B and his life was from the truth, if you know what I mean. I think that, you know, the more was revealed about John B's life than anyone, you know, particularly Brian Reed kind of understood or knew about. And the, the story then becomes a story about John B and his his life and the the things that may or may not have led up to his suicide. Um, and there are some really interesting themes explored, particularly uh, being a gay man in, in the American South and how that is and, and effectively being uh, somewhat closeted for quite a long time. Um, and that's quite an interesting thing. And then there's a there's a later theory about his his kind of depression and his kind of you know what led up to his suicide that it was to do with his work as a as a clock repairer and the fact that he worked with mercury a lot and that involved and that obviously led to mercury poisoning but i guess jack i kind of understand your um frustrations or your you know disappointment with the ending which is that it doesn't tie off kind of perfectly in a, in a bow it doesn't it doesn't end in a full circle of a, of a story in any sense it kind of leaves a lot of questions. 
not least the one about what on earth happened to John B's gold, but also why he really committed suicide. There are some theories behind it, but you never know whether it's a medical thing that got him there, you know, whether, whether the mercury poisoning did it, or whether it was the fact that he never really found love, or that he struggled to be uh, a, a semi-closeted gay man in, in the American South. And it, it just leaves a lot of questions. And I think, you know, I was thinking back to what we said when we had um, the last episode, episode three, where we were chatting with Jess. And you mentioned, Jack, that, you know, the, the whole thing stems, the whole of this podcast and its success stems around the fact that, that, that John B. Macken was the most interesting person and they chanced upon him. And I think it becomes very clear towards the latter episodes that he's so much more multifaceted than anyone could ever imagine. Totally. And that's the thing, I think, with this podcast. There's a real paradox in that it works with a format which is all very much built around baiting you along Mm. and making you want to listen to the next one. And what you're thinking is, I mean, obviously they deliver a premise, they deliver an unanswered question that you want to know more about. And obviously you listen to the next one to find out. And so many Mm. of those threads... um, don't come to anything and yeah. i think the podcast has a very strange relationship with that in that it's very consciously pulling you along at the yeah. same time it's trying to tell you you there's not always going to be something at the end of this and you know what and total cliche but i don't think it's beyond this american life to think in these terms but life is complicated and <laughs> you want a nice tidy answer to why any of this happened or where yeah. someone's gold is then a yeah as i say life is complicated b um we're radio journalists who do have a certain degree of responsibility so you get uh, the section near the end where he's talking with Tyler about the gold and the potential uh, location of the gold, uh, and then they have a conversation off the record. The last thing you hear is a conversation going off the record, which is, I think, a clear message there that that is the very boundary up to which these radio uh, broadcasters felt entitled to go, and then they stopped. Um, Yeah. What was interesting in the last episode of um, uh, Episode Party with Jess is that I think Jess and I were in a position where we could discuss some of the themes that arised for us in the latter half of that podcast um, Mm. around what the journalists were entitled to delve into, what they're entitled to to question and know about, sure. and also to reveal in the life of someone who wasn't alive to give his consent. And yeah. that's very interesting. I, As I said uh, in the last episode, I think they were mindful of that. Whether they made mm. the right decisions whilst they were mindful of it, I think is another question and one that um, classic theme of talking about this i don't have the answers to but interesting i think it's it is interesting how the podcast does turn in on itself again last episode you spoke about the fact that brian reed couldn't remove himself from this story this story is largely driven uh by the decisions he made to um put a step forward um move further into the story or make a decision to go hmm okay i want to know more about john now and and he you know grabbed the wheel and made that turn so uh, (laughs) i'm not sure i had a point but 
just very mm. interesting i think that the uh yeah the podcast took the the turns that it did and i you know it was cool to hear a podcast i think that dealt with its own inability to provide all the answers or maybe ask all the questions that it wanted to you know yeah sure and i think what i'd be really interested to know now and i'm really hoping this detail comes out eventually it's to understand the various threads or routes that brian reed could have gone down um post john b mackamore's suicide um to try and understand what happened because i feel like he covered some of them but there was a point where like accusations were flying all over the shop and you've got kind of like uh john b's cousin rita um suggesting that that you know tyler goodson had something to do with john b's like suicide and perhaps that he was actually murdered you know there was all these kind of there was a point where there were a lot of accusations going along and there was a lot of kind of it's not even infighting it's just fighting it was just a lot of you know a lot of conflict and it felt like from an outsider's perspective that perhaps brian got to a point where he went right i'm all of a sudden i'm I'm in a danger of making a he said she said podcast like there's no there's no merit in this and that's the point at which he started to turn and look at Jombie's history and Jombie's character in more detail and, you know, started exploring, you know, themes about homosexuality and mental illness and mm. the mercury poisoning and all those kind of things. Because I think there was a point where it was becoming a real whodunit. And I'd be just I'd just be interested to know, one, the kind of decision making that went, OK, let's not do this. Let's do something different. But two, to know what other threads came out of that scenario and why they weren't followed. Not that I'm saying it's wrong, just that I'd just be really interested to know. Yeah. So it became a why done it, didn't it? And that's, Mm. that's, you know, that's, I mean, how, how comfortable did you feel that it was basically speculating on a man's suicide? I mean, because I don't, I still don't know how I feel. And Obviously, speculation arises whenever there is a situation where, where you know, someone dies in circumstances that aren't always understood. You see it in celebrity culture all the time. People are always the first question that people ask is, you know, either why or how as a means yeah. of trying to understand what led to that moment. I mean, obviously, John was only brought into the limelight by virtue of the fact that his suicide was covered so extensively. Sure. Uh, It's interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. I think two things, like, firstly, and and I'm careful not to say he asked for it here, because that's a terrible thing to do. It's a tantamount to victim blaming. But John B. from the very beginning was particularly open with Brian. And gave him a lot of detail, both about himself as a person, but also about his kind of suicidal thoughts and his kind of suicide plans, as it were. You know, he quite often there's a whole segment uh, towards the end where they're on his computer and John B shows Brian his suicide note that he's kind of pre-prepared. And, you know, then he quickly kind of minimises it and starts talking about something else on his computer. And and Brian's kind of trying to get him to talk again about it. And he doesn't. But then after a while, voluntarily, or supposedly voluntarily based on the edit, he starts talking again about about his kind of thoughts about suicide and his plans as, you know, post-suicide. Um, which leads me to believe that I think, you know, I think it's not entirely wrong to infer that were John be able to speak from beyond the grave that he would 
consent to having that exploratory conversation um whether he'd be as pleased about you know some of the other themes that they explored maybe you know i don't i don't know but i think one it seemed like he was very open and in the spirit of his openness it seems to be okay to talk about these things but two from a wider societal perspective i think in terms of journalism there is a responsibility to explore these issues and i think there's no more poignant a way to explore those issues than to talk about a real person particularly one who seemed to be um at least when he was alive consensual to having his personal life broadcast in that way yeah i think i agree with you and you're right in the to be honest they simply discussed the material that had already been discussed by John uh, and worked, I mean, almost exclusively from what I understand within the parameters that John had already laid for them, like the um, section that deals with uh, John's um, relationships with uh, various men in fact, was something that was brought up very early on in the email exchange between Brian and John, completely separate from anything that they were actually discussing. You know, it wasn't like Brian prompted it and asked John to to talk about it. So, you, as you say, you don't want to say that someone was, was asking for these things to be explored. But that, I mean, that does essentially, you know, if someone's bringing this stuff up, to a you know mm. to a journalist then you know of course uh, there is a license then to use that yeah and he, he he you know he seemed particularly blasé about suicide in the way that he spoke so candidly and openly about it and so um he didn't give it a lot of weight i would say no. and i think that was you know he didn't seem to fear it and he didn't seem to necessarily view it as a weakness or anything like that he just seemed to be very accepting of it which is which is horrible but, you know, I think that that makes it all the more interesting and important to explore because, you know, the, the often the, the narrative that's, the, that is told when someone commits suicide is that they were troubled and that perhaps they could have been saved. And, you know, perhaps in a, in a way it's kind of alluded to that they may have regretted it or they would regret sure. it yeah. if they were able to kind of do life again. You know, if they could get in the time machine... That they'd stop themselves, but uh, you get the feeling from everything that was presented about John Bean, and I think it's important to kind of make the distinction between what's been presented in an editorialized piece of journalism. You know, we're not got the uncut recordings. Um, everything that is alluded to just suggested that that actually he was kind of it was pre-planned. It was it was he was very much aware that it was going to happen eventually, and he had no fear of it, and he very much viewed that as his potential end um which is which is horrible but seems to be the case it's just fascinating um and i think that's one of the things that you you walk away from with this podcast is you you try and comprehend that narrative about suicide that's never really told because the prevailing one is one that's so totally different yeah i mean there's no part of this which is diluted or sensationalized whatsoever. No, which is which is great. I mean, what I do find interesting actually is that uh, advance of this recording we're doing now, I went back and listened to uh, a few sections of the um, podcast again, and I don't know if you've uh, had the opportunity to do this yet, Freds, but um, the opening monologue uh, I now find quite interesting. I thought it was pretty 
cheesy the first time round. Uh, and right. I, a lot of my doubts about what the podcast were going to be like were sown in those opening couple of minutes sure. um, where basically Brian brings up antique clock restoration and sure yeah you know uh, talks about it in very analogous terms i mean an analogy to something you couldn't know what it was at that point but um uh, about um trying to identify how to put a clock back together and using these things called witness marks which are like tiny holes and dents uh, you know to try and guess what implements would have been in p- that place uh, and then he says you sure. know you may spend hours on looking at one particular hole and realize that you've been wasting your time and that what you thought you were looking for um wasn't what you're looking for at all um and then yeah. he goes anyway and you know and and sweeps it away um mm. in a way which now seems very interesting and in that you know, it's like, I, I don't want you to dwell on that too much before you figure anything out, you know, which is great. You know, I, I, I was really unsure about um, that whole analogy. I thought, oh, this is so, this is American life. Um, but but actually, you know what, it works really well. And it's not just a metaphor for its own sake. It actually, it actually slots in really well. And um, sure. also as well, the um, point at which Brian does learn about John's death um going back to that and listening to that again and the knowledge that it's about to hit you you can see why uh, i mean i don't know about you but when that happened in the narrative um i just i was in my car and i just went no like i couldn't you know it really knocked yeah. me for six um and it's because the conversation that john is happening uh, sorry john is having with brian literally 30 seconds before um, John has taken a piss in the sink and they lose track <laughs> of the conversation and yeah. the music takes like an upbeat turn and mm. you're made to feel this endearment towards John and the silly things he does and then that's when it hits you and that's yeah. when they tell you it's very powerful and going back and knowing what it, what's about to happen you can see them laying the trap for you right there obviously as well the the music uh in the podcast as well is awesome like so so good um it's a chap called danny hart who composed most of the score i think there's some been some people apparently from the area who say that they um managed he managed to encapsulate the spirit um of woodstock really well oh wow Um, yeah which is really cool but i mean it definitely fits in with the the story so well you know there's i feel like there's an allusion to clockwork in all the sort of pizzicato strings and and bits harmonies that all fit together and stuff like that um yeah which makes it a really beautiful score but yeah obviously just powerfully produced did you by chance find it on Bandcamp? Yeah, <laughs> I thought you might have done. I was just, I, I, I'm, I've got the Wikipedia page up, and I just, I just read that he's put the score on Bandcamp, which I think is, uh, which is great. So I'll probably try and listen to that <laughs> at some point. And it's kind of, it'd be lovely to hear that out of the context of the podcast because I think it stands probably very well on its own, um, which would be really cool. I think the the one the one point that I kind of want to add, which is a little bit irreverent, but I think I, it's it's that it's just a masterclass in like brilliant radio journalism and brilliant radio storytelling i think um 
it's the kind of thing that you know it, it's got so much going on like you say it it's a wonderfully told story it's very well edited it's very well put together the use of music is incredible and the the ethical dilemma around it is just 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 so interesting and i think that's a hallmark of really good journalism is that some of the best journalism that i've ever read and and i think that i've ever seen has has always been um ethically dubious in places because it's the most risk-taking it's the most daring and i think i think that's what makes s town so great um and i kind of wish that this kind of thing was around when you and i were at university learning how to make radio well, um, yeah, absolutely. So, Bournemouth Journalism School, if you're if you're listening, um, <laughs> put this in the syllabus and make sure that everyone listens to it because the conversations you'll have out of it are going to be like this one, but probably longer and better. Well, um, I listened to. Um, sorry, I read a. I think it was in the Guardian. Uh, they interviewed Brian, and the closing question was, "Why are Americans so much better at making podcasts than?" they are in the UK and why aren't the BBC able to produce something like this? Yeah. And a really interesting reply that Brian came back with was, well, I, he hung out with people at the BBC and discussed this. And apparently the BBC just don't have the budget to kill stories off. Um, and uh, they have to follow every thread um, that they get. And so, uh, and, and create a story out of it. So a lot of their time, is wrapped up in um, essentially building stories out of trails that may have perhaps gone slightly cold um, yeah. with S-Town um, and, sorry, with This American Life. They're able to kill stories dead um, the moment yeah. that they figure out that something isn't worth following up, which means yeah. that their time is so much more dedicated to things that are proving fruitful. And there was apparently a very much a um, tipping point for S-Town where at the point at which um, John died, uh, the story could have ended there. And it was very much up in the air as to whether or not there was going to be any continuation of that story. Sure. Um, and then I think after the uh, funeral, um, that's when the thread really started to pick up again and the wheels started to turn with it again. But um, yeah, interesting point, I think, is that, you know, in the States, they can really budget for cutting stuff when it doesn't work out. Yeah, I, I guess I just really hope they can do something similar again. That's that's my that's my final hope and wish for S-Town is that they can... You know, it'll never be. You'll never. You know, I think. I think they learned that with serial, perhaps that you can't follow the same format again. No. But I'm hoping they'll chance upon a really good thread like that again, and make really great radio and really great podcasts out of it again. Yeah, I mean, it's just throwing energy at it, isn't it? Energy and people, and they've got more resource uh, in order to do that. So their probabilities are definitely higher. You know, the hit rate is entirely dependent on what you stumble into. As we've said, good fortune counts for so much. But um, yeah, I I wouldn't, you know, I I don't doubt that they'll come across a story which um, I don't know whether they'll top S-Town, but definitely something else which uh, has the same air of uh, enigma and intrigue and ambiguity about it 
We should wrap this up very soon, but there is a second thing we wanted to talk about in this special edition of Episode Party, and it, it, it comes in the form of a twofold apology um, and an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> the the first the first part of this is an apology to Jess Jess Ellison, who was on Episode Three of Episode Party. Jess, there was a point in the podcast in which you told us that you didn't really uh, couldn't get your head around podcast apps and how how they work and what you should be doing with them. And Jack and I both laughed, and we didn't explain it. And I think that's really bad on our part. So, Jess, I'm very sorry. I'll tell you what's worse, is that I then said, yeah, do you know what? I have those problems as well. Uh, And so, you know, 66% of the people on a podcast about podcasts confessed to not being very good at using their podcast app. And we just blew right past it. It's early days, isn't it? It's early days. Exactly, but the, but the other the other issue is that it isn't early days, and we are now four <laughs> episodes into episode party, having not explained what podcasting is and what yeah. a podcast is and how you go about listening to podcasts. So I'm going to attempt to do a four minute primer, um, and Jack, feel free to kind of chip in if you want to add anything to this. Sure. Um, but podcasters of format have been around for a very very long time, but they've had a bit of a resurgence, I'd say, in the last mm, three to four years or so, maybe a bit longer. And effectively, um, as you said before, we we started recording, Jack, that, you know, podcasts are radio on demand. They're the kind of uh, TV on demand of of radio. They they take shows, they split them up into these smaller, kind of shorter recordings, or in some cases, really long recordings, and you can grab them on demand and you can choose what you want to listen to and when you want to listen to it. Um, So that's the kind of, uh, I guess, philosophical side of podcasting. And the technical side is that um, effectively every podcast is just a RSS feed, um, which again, aren't particularly popular these days because there's no really good RSS feed readers. Um, But they're an RSS feed, which is a feed that apps and computers can pick up which usually have like news posts in and but with podcasts instead of having a news post they have a mp3 file which is your podcast recording and this this technology um has a has a few amazing kind of features i guess the first thing is that it's it's very open um in that almost anyone with means of recording something and means of editing it can probably set up a podcast there's there's very few other um barriers to entry um, the, the the system we host our um, episode party on is a paid system, but there are free alternatives. Um, we just chose the expensive or the at least paid version, and the, you know just the ease of that that comes with it. But it, it but it is it's very open, and and you know if you're listening right now and you're on a computer and you've got an internet connection, you can more than likely make and distribute a podcast. It's not it's not altogether impossible. Um, and the other thing is because this technology is cross platform, it means that. Um, apps, computers, and all manner of devices, um, regardless of operating system, can pick up a podcast. Um, And because of that, there are lots and lots of different ways you can listen, and there are lots and lots of different apps by which you can do it. Um, On a really rudimentary level, if you really wanted to, you could go to the website of the podcast, which is usually where the feed, the RSS feed, is, is displayed, and just click play on the play button next to the podcast episode name. Um, so, for example, if you go to stownpodcast.org... <laughs> yeah, yeah, why .org. not? <laughs> I need to check, I need to check. Um, you can go on there right now, and you can click chapter one, and you can just hit a big play button. You can listen to your podcast right there on the screen without having to download an app that having to do anything. Oh, it's a beautiful website as well, isn't it? 
it's a really lovely website. Um, but your your other option is to grab a podcast app. Now, iTunes um, on on the Mac or PC does do podcasts, so you can you can subscribe and play and stream or download podcasts there. But there are also plenty of apps for iOS and Android and um, other mobile operating systems as well. Um, Jack, you and I both use an app called Pocket Casts, which I really like because it's cross-platform in that you can have it on Android and you can have it on iOS. Um, You can even have it as a website if you go to player.pocketcasts.com, I think it is. Um, You can play your podcast from there for a small fee and everything syncs up, which is lovely. So sometimes I'll be listening on my computer through player.pocketcasts or I'll listen to them on my phone. But there are other apps as well. So Overcast is a particularly popular podcast app. It has some really nice features, um, features that kind of... um, if you have a podcast, especially just like now, where I said, mm, and then paused, and there was a little bit of a gap, um, Overcast can detect that gap um, and get rid of it. So it kind of strips the silence out of your podcast, which apparently is intelligent enough that it doesn't feel weird, but it does speed up podcasts, and effectively it saves you time. Yeah, so, I mean, do you do any of that? On Pocket Casts? Yeah, do you, I mean, do you do anything that accelerates or makes any of your podcasts shorter? No, I find it really weird. Yeah, right. So it's interesting because I think it, for someone in a particular circumstance, and I'll confess I haven't tried that overcast feature, which I've heard from various sources, uh, can be really effective and doesn't yeah. feel strange. But um, I think especially with something like S-Town, the yeah. pauses are s- so deliberate and as produced as the words on either side of them so i would say you know if if say for example you've got like only a brief bit of time to get your podcast fixed and uh, you're not fussed about losing a bit of production value then fine go for it but otherwise uh you know i went through a phase where i had podcasts on like 1.25 or 1.5 speed and after a while i was like you know i was like yeah i'm getting through an hour-long podcast in 40 minutes um and then realizing that i hadn't remembered a single ruddy thing for the you know it's a nightmare yeah because you just you you know your brain doesn't you you hear it and you sort of for that very moment intellectualize it but it just doesn't sink in so yeah yeah if if you're kind of dabbling with that kind of thing i would just say use it with caution because for me it feels like you're getting through more podcasts but that's all you're doing (laughs) you're not taking in anything you know I think there are particular places where if you're particularly if you're listening to a host or someone on a podcast that's particularly hesitant and does a lot of kind of that where they just pause for a long time then maybe maybe it'll help you to kind of you know get through things a lot quicker um but I you know I think I think you're right and I think that for someone like me as well I talk at 1.5 speed anyway so you don't <laughs> want me at 1.5 <laughs> speed because that's that's really fast I can't even do the maths but it's too fast yeah it um is. I guess that the only other thing I want to add about podcasts, obviously, you know, with everything I've said, you can you can listen to them on your iTunes, you can listen to them online on their on the podcast website, you can also listen to them on apps. Um, when you're thinking about listening to them on an app or on iTunes, you can do one of two things: you can stream that podcast, which is effectively grabbing the file straight from the website and just playing it straight from the website. Or you can download it, so you've got a local copy of your podcast. Um, now. The thing about podcasts is that quite a lot of the time, they're big files, they're big audio files, especially like something like Episode Party, um, it, it, it weighs in pretty big. So if you've not got a lot of space on your device, then um, it's pretty rubbish. So, you, you know, you don't want to be downloading loads and loads of episodes of anything that's too long because it will take up loads of space. Um, so I tend to stream everything. 
unless I'm going on a journey where I know I won't have an internet connection, which is rare these days, but it does happen, especially like flying, um, where I will download kind of a, a few hours worth of really good podcasts. And then I know I've got them and I can listen to them no matter what. But I'm a big proponent of streaming things most of the time. No, fair enough. I mean, it's interesting, actually. For me, that doesn't really work because I listen to them when I'm driving. I don't have a huge data plan uh, and I don't really have a quick access to an internet connection. So I do a lot of downloading. I mean, one thing I do do is um, I know that Pocket Cast has a feature where you can delete once you've listened to them. So instead of having to go through and do a big admin kind of clean up and get rid of 500 meg of podcasts that you've been listening to over the past month um you know i'm not going to go back to a podcast once i'm finished with it so i just have that on it clears out of my queue and it's done you know and i do i have a lot of podcasts downloaded at once you know i um I go through every now and then. I look at what's been newly released. I mean, I might just as well talk about a few features which I think are quite generic in podcast apps, but I know are present in um, Pocket Casts, one of which is when you've subscribed to a bunch of podcasts, they've got a new releases section which lists all of the podcasts that have recently been put out by date. So you can see all of the podcasts that were put out on, say, you know, the 1st of April or whatever. Basically, I'll just go through that and select a few that catch my eye. Uh, And, uh, yeah, it just means that I I am deleting podcasts on the regular. One thing I will say as well, and I think it's quite nice for us at Episode Party to encourage the... um, spirit of exploring and going beyond the um you know this american lives and uh, uh, and whatnot yeah the discover engine within pocket cast is excellent in that if you know that you um want to download a, a podcast that's kind of in a similar kind of vibe to the one that you're listening to they've got loads of recommendations which are subdivided by section they've got a list of like the top 100 most popular podcasts but they've also got a list of the top 100 trending podcasts so whilst the top 100 popular podcasts is always going to be like serial and this american life the trending one cycles through quite regularly so i pick up a lot of new podcasts from that section there my feed is now at like something i don't know 150 180 podcasts and i just trial little bits and bobs to see what sticks but um the discovery like like, (laughs) 100 percent freaks me out Like 150 podcasts in Pocket Casts. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of anything worse. Because then you go in, you've got all those little numbers in the top corner that tell you how many lessons, uh, episodes you haven't listened to. Yeah. That, that would scare the life anymore. out of me, Jack. I, I, got, I had a point where I had nine podcasts in my feed at any one time. And like I would regularly like, you know, get rid of one I hadn't listened to in a while or one that I thought had got a bit bad or whatever else. Or one that had just stopped, you know, or they were like on a season break. And I put another one in. But it was like a one-in, one-out policy for a very long time. Oh, mate, you would not like to see my feed, nor my download queue either. I mean, what I do is I uh, download, and then what I try and do is stay quite rigorously um, to this format of listening to the oldest first. So the one I downloaded the longest amount of time ago, I'll listen to that one and then the one above it and go through like that um, just to make sure I'm listening to recent material. Otherwise, you know, I'll, I'll go and dig out this dusty old BBC politics piece about, uh, I don't know, the <laughs> election in 2015 or whatever, and be like, why is that still there? But it's, um, yeah, so I, I find Pocket Cast really intuitive, but uh, I would encourage everyone to, like, get 
familiar with the features because another oh one other thing i wanted to mention is the the queuing feature in pocket cast is awesome yeah. as well so i'm a driver i do a long commute maybe like 90 minutes um to work and then the 90 minutes back again i don't want to be um fiddling around with my podcasting app to select a new episode when i'm driving that's thoroughly yeah. unsafe so I queue up about three or four before I leave the house. One finishes, it deletes, it goes on to the next one. And it's just, you know, it's... it's yeah, that's pretty great. It's awesome. Yeah. And um, it's so easy to manage. So it, It's yeah. cool as well because it, it does give you like a total time for your queue. So that mm. if you know that you're on like a two, three hour flight, you can know safely that you've queued up two, three hours worth of podcasts and downloaded them all. Yeah. So like there's no, there's no chance that you'll get short unless your flight gets stuck in the air um <laughs> yeah but but it, no it, it's great um but yeah you, you definitely check out pocket casts it's a paid app um and there are free alternatives and there are other paid alternatives it's worth it's worth having a look around um i definitely give overcast some serious consideration as well um but i know like castro is another one that looks particularly good and there's an app called Stitcher, which I think it has some interesting kind of um, aspirations to do more work on monetizing podcasts. I know we, we spoke a little bit about this last week. So, yeah, th- there are options out there. Um, but hopefully we've explained what a podcast is and does now four episodes in. Um, and we'll be back in the next episode of Episode Party with another guest talking about three fantastic podcasts. But until then... Uh, we are at episode underscore party on Twitter. If you want to give us a recommendation or um, talk to us about a podcast that we haven't mentioned, um, or, and we are also go on. Um, ask us a question about podcasts where maybe your app is doing something funny. Um, uh, you know, we're not technicians, but we've both been using podcasting apps um, for you know some time. Where you know, if someone like Jess says this is happening with my app. We might be able to help, so we won't laugh. We won't, we won't laugh this time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jess. We're really sorry. <laughs> um, and on that apology, I think it's time to end the show. Um, so thank you very much. I've been Freddie Harrison. I've been Jack Tutor. And we'll see you on the next episode.